0: and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University.
1: And I'm Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. Today, we get to chat with Kathleen Waters, DaVita's chief legal officer.
2: Welcome, Kathleen. I'm excited to be here.
1: Before we jump into the episode, I just want to say, you know, that the title of this episode is around creating belonging for women leaders and just want to clarify that this is for both men and women to learn about how to create an environment for uh, women to feel a sense of belonging. So as we jump in, Kathleen, thanks so much again for being here and um, looking forward to your stories and insights. And we'd love to start by learning why you think it's important to have a specific conversation about women leaders.
2: Well, for all the reasons that you read about, first of all, that that you need lots of different voices around a table and and, an experience to learn from. I'll share a personal experience with myself growing up that my uh, my father and my parents were divorced when I was quite young. Um, my father left my mom with three kids, ages three, seven, and eight, Oof, and she yeah. didn't have a college degree and wasn't working at the time. And so she went into the workforce to raise her kids on her own and was a was a secretary then. Now we call them administrative assistants. Um, And she worked hard and long in that job. And her boss saw potential in her and was her mentor. And she was working for a stockbroker's firm, convinced my mom to take the test to become a stockbroker. Um, She was the only woman in her class and the only person without a college degree. And she became a stockbroker, and she became one of the first female stockbrokers in South Bend, Indiana. Wow. Um, And then she went on to dedicate her whole career to women. And so she built her career on teaching women how to use the stock market, um, creating investment groups where they would pull together, like, their $10 allowances, and because a lot of these women didn't work. Um, And she built this community of like amazing women who are now like very into the stock market over years. And she's now retired, but they still her legacy of of women in that community still is strong. Um, And I grew up I was I was the one that was three in that group of kids. And so I grew up watching my mom kind of fight for it and giving back to others. And so it inspired me with everything I do.
1: That's amazing story, standing on the shoulders of your mom. So happy to have you here talking about this.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that is that's a really incredible story. And um, I, I would love to hear, since this episode is really about creating that belonging for women leaders, and, and it sounds like your mom grew up at a time or was raising her children at a time where it wasn't as, you know, she didn't have as much belonging perhaps as we have now in the workplace. So could you share about a time... Um, You know, after your mom's uh, time here in the workforce and as you were growing into becoming a leader yourself, could you share a time where maybe you didn't feel like you belonged as a leader because of your gender or whether it was yourself or others that made you feel that way? Well, you know, I think that
2: there's been huge strides in the legal profession. And so when I think about when I went to law school, 50 percent of my class, I think in my class, it was like 54 percent were women. Um, And then coming out, though, in private practice, I don't know choices that different women made or what it was. But by the time you actually were in a law firm, it was less. And then as you progressed in the law firm, it became less and less. And so by the time I was a partner, it was like 10% more women. Um, But I remember a time when I was a summer associate. So it's that stress time trying to get a job. And it was there were me and five men in the summer class, and they took us for golf outings golf all the time. Mm. Um, and I didn't play golf, <laughs> and, and I'm a pretty sports minded person, but I didn't play golf. And I, I would try, and then, but inevitably, I mean, I was really bad, and so I would <laughs> never, I would never get asked back. And one of the like two of the guys, one of us, like a ranked scratch golfer or something, and so they always got invited out, and they got to go for a thing. And I didn't have that connection, and so. Uh, I was totally left out in that summer class um, of just being able to do things. And so, and that same kind of thing happens when you enter the law firm. And so you really, it felt like women had to fight harder to like find their place mm-hmm. and find their connection, just not intentionally, that just that's what the guys did was play golf and I didn't yeah. play golf. It's kind of like the dominant culture of whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah, it is. The, and so yeah. that's why I like being at Zavita because no one really plays golf here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple of golfers who may argue with yeah. me. But, I know David Graham's you know.
2: would have argued with right? me. But.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how about a time when someone made you feel like you did belong, not in spite of your gender, but because of the value you bring as a woman leader?
2: Actually, it's funny to talk about, like, when you, in the my law firm experience, just recruiting and focusing on how to, to uh, it, entice or get people to come, um, it was really important to have different perspectives and different people because you want to get – uh, your clients demand, first of all, that they have different perspectives, and I was a trial alert attorney, and so juries really demand that you see the different voices and different perspectives, and so for recruiting, I was always asked to be on the recruiting teams, for example, just to make sure we had strong women um, in, in asking people to come back or the right questions and panel interviews and things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, wondering if you could uh, share a time when you felt like you created a sense of belonging for the women leaders around you.
2: Well, you know, I... It's funny, I I look at people um, that do these amazing, great things and start programs and stuff, and I can't say that I'm one of those people. Um, I I think I'm more the person who does the subtle, just behind the scenes, the little things that when you walk into a room and there's a, a new young woman that I haven't seen before or junior, I will make sure I go and introduce myself and just make that connection. Or when someone's coming back from maternity leave or I know someone's struggling, just to take that little one-on-one time. And so I try to do – I'm probably better about the little stuff um, to make sure people know that there's someone who understands what they're going through and connect with them. Um, then, then I do the big stuff, frankly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you um, – I think we, earlier we were talking, you talked about kind of – being a mentor for those women and, and sharing some tricks of the trade, that you called it. Um, yeah. Could you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that for all of us, you look to people who
2: are kind of go through your same experiences. And so for me, and everybody has different as a working mom, everybody has different tools in their toolbox that they use. Um, My top five tricks, however, though, (laughs) (laughs) and I have more than five, but um, and you should get them from everybody. But uh, I would say my number one is my my frozen theme of let it go. Um, Ah. I, I used to be super wound up about things had to be this way or that way and organized. And then I realized that as long as I come home and the kids are alive, it doesn't really matter what my husband does. So, (laughs) um, he doesn't even have to bathe them. I didn't even like those cleanliness was out the door. It was just they're alive we're doing well let it, let it go let all that other stuff go nice. um, another one would be to kind of activate the resources that you have available to you whether it's a neighbor that's great or family that lives nearby I didn't have family so but I make a mean macaroni and cheese and so I would trade my macaroni and cheese for people to do things
0: for me and <laughs> trade favors <papers laughs> for the week it's um, good payment I would accept that payment in yeah. a heartbeat
1: <laughs> just so you know <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, And then another one is to remove the little time-consuming things from your life. Um, I I refer to this as scissor therapy for myself because there was a time when I was a new mom um, and my daughter, she was like three years old and she got invited to a birthday party. Maybe she was four, a birthday party at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. I was like, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, who can go to a party at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday? Right. Um, And so, but I was trying to wrap a gift. I couldn't find a pair of scissors to save my life. I was running late for work. It took like 45 minutes just to find the stupid scissors to wrap the gift. And I was so, I wanted the gift to look nice because I wasn't going to be there. And I went to Costco that weekend and bought like 20 pairs of scissors. (laughs) So literally, if you go in my house now, every drawer you open, there's a pair of scissors. That
1: is awesome. Um, So
2: just like... Take those little things that can be a hassle, remove them from your process. Um, Another one is to build relationships. Um, For me, I had to key in on a couple women who are stay-at-home moms in my kids' classes because I never could follow all the different things, like when I was supposed to bring a flower to the teacher or do this. And so I built these relationships. It may have taken some mac and cheese or a couple bottles of wine. Um, But they then would text me and say, you know, Kathleen, tomorrow's the day you're supposed to bring $5 for the field trip or whatever. And so it just, it takes a village um, yeah. and and use it, uh, be, be okay with that. And then my last one would be to laugh. Um, Someone told me a long time ago that you live longer if you laugh or Mm. laughter can help you live longer. Um, And I truly believe in that. I try to surround myself with people who are funny or have a sense of humor. I actually don't even watch scary movies anymore. I I don't either. They make me really
0: stressed out. Yeah,
2: they make me too stressed out. Like, comedies are good. Like, just laugh. Like, again, kind of go back to let it go. But just... Try to enjoy life, and I laugh at myself all the time because I make so many stupid mistakes. And if I don't <laughs> laugh, it would be it would be annoying. But, um, so just to try to to enjoy life, oh, cool.
1: Those are great tips. Yeah, very good. And you know, we're talking about how tips, and then also how you created belonging for women. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about um, helping to create belonging for other women leaders, and how. Could you describe times when you saw a man effectively create belonging for women leaders and how did they do that?
2: Well, I think that it is, you know, we talk about the golf thing. Like I, I was lucky to have a male mentor who, who didn't golf, um, but who also has very focused on that and, and willing to take me out to lunch willing to do things that sometimes I think, you know, and especially unfortunately, some men think, well, I don't want to invite so-and-so for a drink, but I can invite Bob. Um, And that you shouldn't think like that. Like, invite her to lunch or invite that woman who's you're working with or mentoring or um, have go for coffee. Like, it doesn't have to be after work if you don't want to, but take that time to build relationships because that's how people get connected and that's how then you can say, oh, I know that about her. And so then she might be the right person for this other job. Like that's how women can get promoted and learn about other things is you have to get to know them. And so I've been fortunate enough to have male relationships where they were willing to do that for me. And so if if men who are listening, if they take the time to do that, that's the most important thing, I think.
1: Yeah. And I, I, you know, in my journey as a man, one of the biggest things that stands out is how can I ally with the women that are in the room? So what are the moves that I could make? As simple as what you were talking about earlier, do I go over and introduce myself to the women that are in the room or, or am I specifically creating space for them to participate in the meeting or the project and things like that so that it really takes some intentionality around creating that, that engagement?
2: And you know one thing that I've done really poorly sometimes on that and I cuz I think that's exactly right is to also talk about the things that they want to talk about and understand they might be different. And I think one of my failings is that I am such a sports-minded person, like I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, so watching football since before I could talk and basketball. <laughs> um but so that's a natural thing for me, but that's not what all women can talk about. And so I find myself sometimes when I'm in a big group and then I can, it's so easy to say, like, "Oh, did you watch that Duke, North Carolina game last? You know, this weekend." Um, when uh, I shouldn't be thinking about that, I should be thinking about like whether it's movies or something that's more open that would be more inclusive of the conversation. So it's a great thing you point out, Doug, because I'm not always good at it yeah. either.
0: Yeah, I think there's a there's. Um conversations in which I think we've all at some point in our, our lives have felt like we're in the out group or kind of an outsider to a conversation and and we're not certainly saying here on the podcast that that all you know men enjoy this type of yeah. conversation or all women enjoy this type of conversation and it takes um, there are some things that are more commonly divided along gender lines and so just noticing that right like noticing if somebody feels left out or noticing if they're not feeling included and getting to know them as a person can certainly help with avoiding that potential um, creation of 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 people feeling like they don't belong that's right right Right. for men and women to understand read the room and understand
2: take the time like when you build those relationships find out what it is that they like so that you do know what they're what to talk about
0: yeah, and uh, Doug, you brought up something that I wanted to just comment on. I think it's so, uh, you know, I, I admire you so much with your journey here as you're learning more about diversity and belonging and my journey as well, because we all have a lot to learn. And I just, I, I do love how you advocate so much for, for others and, and seek to learn other people's opinions. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And it just brought up something for me too, that was, we're talking about belonging and um the role that men play in creating belonging for women leaders. I was just in a meeting last week that really, I, I was just really so impacted by that because I was in a room with uh, several executive leaders here at Davida and three of the men specifically spoke up and advocated for more women to be represented on a meeting agenda, like a a, a big meeting with a lot of impact. And uh, I was just so impressed that they took the time to just notice that there was some imbalance with the representation and that they weren't getting enough voices in the room, enough diverse voices. And then the second step is they pushed the team to get more women and their voices at the table. And I'll tell you what, after that, my sense of belonging was just sky high, you know, just to know that I didn't have to be the one to point something out because mm. nobody else noticed and the fact that they were willing to create that environment of safety for other people to speak up and say hey this doesn't this doesn't seem like we're being as inclusive as we could be let's mm-hmm. make sure that we have enough voices in the room that are going to be different and and you raise a really good point because it is
2: way more comfortable when the man brings that up in a room Um, But I do think as women, we're responsible to make sure we do it because we notice it. And so even if it is uncomfortable and I'm the only woman in the room, um, I do suck it up and, and make the point because I think that is our responsibility to do. And so it's way better when someone else can do it. And it does. It brings the sense of belonging up for everyone. But that is something that I think the fact that I've been lucky enough to be at the tables, some of the tables that I'm at, is that's my responsibility too. Yeah. To, to always that's do that. a good that. point.
1: And it's, it's fascinating in my journey to notice how often I want to be like answer a question first. And so just to pause for a moment and create a little bit more space for the people that don't usually get the opportunity to share to, to contribute. And it just has made a, a big difference.
0: But I'm just kind of curious about your vision for uh, what you'd like to see for the future for for your daughters um, as they're entering the workplace and and how, what you believe is you know could be a, a, a true sense of belonging for them as as leaders within whatever you know field that they choose. Yeah. Well, so
2: it, it comes with tons of mixed feelings because my girls. Uh, Grew up, or the community that we grew up in, I would say, ten percent of the women were working by the time my kids were in elementary school. Lots of college, like college degrees, and people, but they had just chosen um, and they were able to not work. And so, my kids had the sense of not belonging because I, they weren't invited to the play dates, and they weren't invited because they didn't have their mom around. Mm. Um, but. And so there's tons of guilt and stress about me and me trying to take off like that two hours in the middle of a Wednesday so that I could take them to a play date um, so that they wouldn't feel ostracized because they did. But then by the time they got into like middle school and high school, then I could see it's totally different because they are rock stars. They're so independent. They love strong women. And I feel like it's because they saw their mom working ton. (laughs) There's plenty of vacations where I don't get to see them and I'm working the whole time. Um, but that they really feel like there's nothing they can't do. And, and I
0: want them to think that I I want them to think there's nothing they can't do. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's something that I hear sometimes, you know, it's tough with, uh, women, um, at times, like judging other women about the choices that they make, whether or not to stay within a specific career or whether or not to stay at home or take a, you know, take uh, a break from, from the professional life and focus on home. And I think it's just really about whatever, and, and men the same, right? Like it's really about whatever makes sense for them and their family. And it, it really has to be a personal decision. What I love to see more of is that, that women feel like they have um, an incentive to stay within the workplace if they would like to, and and more of a choice in that field. That would be a wonderful dream to come true one day. Yeah. And I, I hear you.
2: Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mind. I got your back on that yeah. one. <laughs> All right.
1: Excellent. Well, we're going to break protocol a little bit at the end of this episode and give you permission to offer up two tips, yeah. one for men and another one for women. And what would you offer um, – on how to create belonging for women leaders?
2: To women or to men? Or Both. I get, to, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, get so, two. okay. Yeah, you get two. Yeah. <laughs> you get two. You get two of them. So I would say for, and, and they're going to be kind of the same actually. So for women to lean into relationships, um, I talked about my kind of crazy career path, but each time that I changed course, it was because of a relationship that I had built Um, And then the flip side for men is don't be afraid to maintain that relationship. Like, don't be afraid to lean into that and to go for coffee and to stop by. And even though, like, if someone comes back from maternity leave and you have no idea what they're going through, take the time to say, I have no idea what you're going through, but I just thought I'd check in. Mm, That's
1: great. Great tips. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for spending time with us and talking about this important topic. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you very much for having the conversation.
1: That was a really helpful discussion with Kathleen. And I loved her tip around, you know, taking the time to get to know women on your team and for men to specifically do that with women that you don't know as well and uh, taking them out to lunch or to uh, grab a cup of coffee or something.
0: Completely agree, Doug. And speaking of tips, it's my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode with Jamie and Janae on welcoming new teammates. And I love their tips at the end. To um, for Jamie, Janae's tip was to do anything you can to make that teammate feel secure and safe on their first day. And she gave great examples like taking them out to lunch or putting their name on their locker. And Jamie's tip was to sit down with a new teammate and their preceptor or um, trainer on a weekly basis. So, Doug, you want to hear it?
1: Yeah. How did it go? Tell us.
0: Yeah, this is uh, this is this is COVID style welcoming. So I will I will preface it with that. We have been welcoming new teammates on our team and in, um, in wisdom through remote means. And so it's been a little bit of a challenge trying to figure out how to make it special for them. But when we come back to the tip, and trying to make them feel secure and safe, that's that's what I keep going back to. And so um, for one of our new teammates, I was able to make some chocolate chip cookies, which are her favorite. And someone on the team was able to deliver them on her first day with a, with a goodie packet. So it was great to just make her feel secure, welcome, to know that the team was there for her and had her back. And then we also have a couple of uh, Redwoods interns in Wisdom this summer. And it was what' we're, what I'm doing there is actually Jamie's tip and it's meeting with them on a weekly basis just to make sure that they feel taken care of, they feel safe, they feel secure. and also for them to to know that that I've got their back and, and um, they have they, that this was gonna be a great summer for them. So those are the two ways that I've been able to apply their great tips.
1: That's perfect, Grace. You know, you're you're setting the bar high for uh, times when we interview two different people and we have two different tips. I'm now going to have to to go about you know making sure I try both <laughs> of their tips. So thanks for setting the bar. <laughs> we got
0: to up. We got to. Yeah, we got to keep upping our game, Doug. We that's, do that's absolutely.
1: We Come on. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So um, and it, and if. Uh, for our listeners, we would love to hear your stories and tips as well. So go to our show notes and click on that listener mail link and find out how you can submit your story uh, or your tip in writing or through a voice message. And if you have not yet subscribed to our podcast, please click on the subscribe button so you don't miss any more of our episodes.
0: Yeah. And if you enjoy these episodes, please do rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes so we know how we're doing. See you all next week. One for all.
1: And all for one.